glorious. I mean, when you read the scripture, it seems like the, the first Christmas was this amazing production. And, and when we go through the text, as we kind of lead up into Christmas Eve, if you're familiar with all the different stories, it seems like a, uh, in our heads, like this sort of fast-paced, moving narrative that leads us up to this point. But um, I, I just want to say that I think when we think about the Christmas narrative, when we think about our own lives and Christmas, we have, I'm just making this up, a nostalgic um, memory bending. And what I mean by that is, is we tend to ha- uh, have this sort of idolized perspective of Christmas's past that are really not really like we remember them. And it actually begins with the Christmas story itself. I mean, you hear news, angels come to Mary and say, behold, you're going to be with child. And she's shocked because she's a virgin. Now, this is basic biology. When you conceive, how many months does it take to have a child? Nine. Thank you. Nine. Nine months. Now, if you are a woman who has carried a child, is that nine months quick? No! <laughs> Especially if you reach, you know, month seven or eighth in August, right? It's long. And yet when you read scripture, it's like you find out Mary's going to be with child, and, you're, and then the story clips right along. It seems like it's moving quickly. It's a fast pace. But was the first Christmas really all that glorious? Or, or was it this sort of long and drawn out, sort of maybe even tedious narrative that seemed to fizzle in the end? <laughs> this doesn't sound like a good Christmas Eve sermon, does it? <clears throat> maybe it will fizzle in the end as well, right? You see, the, the story itself is not as fast-paced as we imagine. It doesn't sort of develop as quickly as we'd like to think. It doesn't move like action movies move. It doesn't move like the news moves. You don't hear the announcement of the birth of a Savior, and then, bam, here we are, angels appearing to shepherds in the field singing glorious. Now we have nine months of nothing. I mean, we, there's nothing really in Scripture. We don't get any stories about a morning sickness or conversations between Joseph and Mary or, or, or people wondering, did, is Mary crazy? Is she really going to give birth to the Messiah? And so you get this initial announcement, and then it just kind of nothing. Nothing immediately changed at all. So we kind of roll through nine non-momentous, non-eventful months. And then it finally happens. She's about to give birth. And really, when you read the scriptures, this also kind of seems anticlimactic to me. I mean, you do get the story of the shepherds out in the field and and suddenly a multitude of angels appear and say, you know, glory to God in the highest There's a Savior that's been born. But how many people did these angels appear to? A handful at most, uh, three, four shepherds perhaps? They get a front row seat to the glorious Christmas Eve event. and, And guess what's going on with everyone else in the world? Nothing. They're still fighting over who left their socks on the floor. 
Who's going to do the dishes? And nothing's changed for most people. And so we go nine long months till the night of Christ's birth. Only a handful get the, the angel choir singing. And the world seems to be going on as if nothing has changed. I mean, if you think waiting for Santa to show up on December 25th is agonizing, imagine hearing word about the Messiah being born and like nothing happening. And the story kind of remains unimpressive, actually. Like, Jesus is born, but where is he born? He's born in a little town of Bethlehem. He's not born in L.A. or New York or Chicago or Houston. He's born in Bernie, you know? I grew up in Amarillo. It's like, yay, glory to God in the highest. Jesus has arrived in Amarillo. Ah. Doesn't seem very exciting. It's a small little town, nothing. Jesus isn't born at some sort of, uh, you know, high-class research hospital where people can figure out if his DNA is somehow connected to God. He's, he's born in a stable. He's born with animals and Bernie. Hmm. Nothing. And then there's the small group of witnesses, which is the shepherds, and of course, Mary and Joseph and the cow, right? Or whatever animal might have been there. It's nothing. It's not glorious. It's nothing. It's this little sort of blip on the radar that really didn't seem to have much effect on what was going on. It had been the thing that everyone had been waiting for for so very long. And, and here we are, and we gather every year, and we sing, and it's this miraculous event. But if you read the narrative, it's like, oh, it's frustrating. Because Jesus was born, and nothing changed right away. I mean, even the wise men don't show up for another few years. I mean, it's just, just a slow, agonizing story. Like, when is it going to get interesting? Right? And so this is the thing. We have nostalgic memory bending when it comes to Christmases. And, and maybe you're like me, and if you're like me, you can, you can raise your hand. But, like, when I think about Christmases, the Christmases in the past were the most glorious, Right? You, for most of you, do you feel like some of your Christmases when you were younger were like the best Christmases? Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. I, I think about this all the time. Actually, here's a picture of me on Christmas. It's a little blurry because um, I had to take a picture of a picture, right? Um, I was probably two or three. Um, I'm actually just noticing there's a diaper on this Christmas tree. I'm, I'm not sure why. But, uh, yeah, there's me in a diaper probably as well. And this is Christmas. And I was so excited this Christmas because, uh, I, you know, I got everything I wanted. And you can kind of see, it. this picture is blurry too, but the, the look, if I could zoom in and it'd be clear, the look of joy on my face as I'm riding that horse um, that Christmas, that was a glorious Christmas, right? 
And this is how our memory works. We think back to the past or we, we see pictures and I got my little red wagon and my little seesaw horse and, and it was the best. And no Christmas seems to compare, right? But here's the problem with nostalgic memory bending is, is we tend to sort of edit our memories, whether we do it intentionally or not. We don't always remember the reality of things, more so when we're kids. Like, our perspective as kids is, is not always true. Like, we don't fully appreciate or fully understand everything that's going on. And not only that, but not everything in the past is great, right? How many of you have uh, bad memories of the past, too? Right? Not everything's like this warm, fuzzy feeling. You know, I, I look cute there, excited for Christmas, but, like, there's other stages of life, too, that I don't like. Like this one, this picture, and that haircut. I am nostalgic for hair, um, but those chubby cheeks and that bowl cut, like, what was my mom thinking? You know, not everything is good. Like we have awkward phases, awkward moments, and, and, uh, and not everything that we see in the past or reflect on is, is that glorious. But we do tend to idolize aspects of the past. And I know this because something in us yearns for something better or, or to get back to something that we feel like we're missing. We hope for something better in the future. And maybe this is what Christmas for, for you is like this year. Maybe there's a part of you that, um, I don't know, maybe I see you this time of year and maybe I see you on Easter. Maybe I see you next year. Maybe uh, your family's coming together for the first time in a while and, and you like two-thirds of them. I don't know, right? But as we gather, as you come to worship, maybe there's a part of you that really wants something different this year. Like you want to feel it. You want to experience it. You want, you want something glorious to happen. Not just another Christmas, but the Christmas. Or maybe you will feel understood and seen and, and maybe people will appreciate you for what you've done and everything you do. Maybe you'll finally get that perfect gift that you've been wanting. Maybe some of the problems in your life will fade to the back and for just a moment, for a moment, things will be at peace. And so you keep thinking, maybe tomorrow, maybe this Christmas, maybe it'll be something different. And that's kind of what people were expecting when the Messiah came the first time too. They, you know, Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men traveling. It was crazy. It was the prophecy finally fulfilled and, and maybe this was it. Maybe things are going to change. And, and what's weird or interesting to me about the story is things don't immediately change. Life seems to go on. Actually, you know, after Jesus is born, we, we wait a good 30 years, 28 to 34 years, however many years, before, like, anything else interesting starts to happen. And so we wait. 
And maybe you've been waiting, and maybe you wait now for something glorious to happen. For the angels to appear and say, behold, I bring you good news. And because of this, because of the way our brains are wired, and because we're, we're used to things being at a fast clip, fast pace, and when we hear stories sort of edited, and, and things quickly move forward, and we think about what we don't have, and what we want to have, and what we wish we could have, so on and so forth, we're not actually patient with the present. Like, we're, we're constantly thinking about how things used to be, or how we hope things will be, and then guess what we're missing We're missing the now. And so what is going on now for you? I mean, what do you hope will happen when you leave here today? When you wake up tomorrow morning, some of you at 3 (laughs) a.m., what will that be like? (laughs) <laughs> so excited. Oh. What do we have now? You know, what I want to invite you to just to reflect on this Christmas is, is not the glory and grandeur of the story that we tend to see and to talk about and to sing about, but for a second I actually want you to reflect on the dull and the boring and the everyday unimpressive thing. And that is, Jesus came just as a regular man in the middle of nowhere to a very small audience of nothing. And this is what changed the world. Not the glorious, not the grand, not the extravagant, but the things that you miss, the things that you'll sleep through, the things that you'll nod off to. This is how God worked. Through a little baby, a little Bethlehem, to little people, to little to no fanfare. Most of the world missed it. And so whatever it is you're going through tonight, like good, bad, ugly, indifferent, like sometimes we think, when is, when is God going to show up? When will, will things be glorious? When will everything be right again? When will I finally feel that Christmas where I felt alive riding on that horse again. When everything will be at peace. When will I experience that? And I say, (laughs) you wait. Nine months, 30 years. even though it may not feel like God is present and glorious, he's here and he's working. God is present now 
and he never stops giving. And so as you leave here tonight, leave comforted, knowing that God doesn't always show up in big and miraculous ways, but he is here because he has shown up and does every single day. So it might be uh, the glory of the cinnamon cookie you're going to eat later. The bed you'll rest your head in. The excitement of the morning. The family that you might like, (laughs) but the family that you still have. And the presence of God through his promise that he is here. So we celebrate the gift that we have of Jesus, who is present and will always be. In his name, amen.